0: Lord God, You are so good. You are drawing people to Yourself, people who are far from You, and also us. You're drawing Your church closer to Your bosom. You love us, and we thank You for that. You bring reconciliation, and You cause us to humble ourselves before You and to seek Your forgiveness. And we thank You that You give it so freely that under no circumstance, could we ask for Your forgiveness and You would refuse to bless us with it. Lord, you're, you're too kind. Your grace is immeasurable. Your love for us is incomprehensible. And we worship You for all of those things. We thank You for the way that it is displayed most prominently in Your Son, Jesus, who took on frail human flesh and lived a life so much like ours, so that we who are far from You might see God and might be reconciled to Him. And we worship You for that. We thank You that Christ was born in Bethlehem knowing full well that His life would come to an end on a cross in humiliation and scorn so that we might be redeemed. What a good God You are. We worship You for all of those things. Bless us in the rest of this time that we have together as we study your word. Bless the children in the back of the building, in the cove, as they are learning more about you. Lord, uh, be with us. Open our eyes more fully to your presence here, we pray. Amen. Uh, When when I was a teenager, I like reading books. When I was a teenager, I stumbled across a, a book of short stories by a guy named Isaac Asimov. He uh, was a sci fi writer, pretty instrumental in kind of the solidification of that genre being sort of mainstream. But this particular story that I read, I don't remember the title of it or what book it was in, but uh, it it takes place on a planet that that orbits three suns, three stars. And so on this planet, there's never nighttime, Uh, it's always daytime, it's always light. And in this story, this cutting-edge amusement park decides to uh, build a thrill ride. And the entire ride is just a 30-minute like slow tram ride through a pitch-black tunnel. Okay, And, and it's sort of their version of a, a haunted house. Just 30 uninterrupted minutes moving through a pitch-black tunnel. But the story essentially ends with uh, the amusement park having to shut down the ride. Because for these people who are accustomed to constant daylight, constant light, never accustomed to experiencing darkness, the ride is so traumatizing for them that it literally causes people to go crazy in the story. These people living in constant daylight on this planet are so disturbed by the darkness that it makes them lose their minds. And today we're starting a a short series leading up to Christmas, and the title of our series over the next couple of weeks is The Light of Life, because Jesus Christ is the light of life. And it was his birth that brought about an end to the pitch black night of sin that envelops and oppresses the human experience. I mean, the opposite is true for us, isn't it? Coming out of darkness into the light is, is almost blinding and traumatizing because we're so used to the darkness. And yet, where Christ is, scripture teaches, there is no darkness. Where Christ is, there is also the light of life. Where Christ is, the darkness flees, and the insanity which darkness imposes upon the human mind is banished from his presence. And there can be no doubt about it. I mean, if, man, actually, I, I, I was talking with even a kid yesterday as, as we were at the park, seven years old and, and his, uh, his dad was telling me that he's having a really hard time, and, and his dad asked, asked his son, what's wrong? Seven years old, what's wrong? And the seven-year-old said, this life is really hard. Wow, I was blown away by that, actually, that a seven-year-old could articulate that, right? To live this life is to live under the traumatizing reality of a world that is shrouded in darkness. And I don't want to be pessimistic, but let's be honest. Any person who... Uh, has lived seven years or longer, I guess, can admit that the human experience is just marked with pain and suffering, isn't it? It is marked with trial and trauma, hardships and struggles. And at the end of all of that, guess what? You die. And to live this life is to journey through the valley of the shadow of death. In many ways, like a slow tram through a tunnel of darkness. Um, I'm officially on board now as a chaplain uh, for the city of Maricopa. I was reminded of this fact on Thursday. I got a call about 8.30 at night. Leanne and I were actually doing a, a little family Bible study together, and I had to run out, and I was called to a neighborhood. And when I arrived at the scene I was called to, there was a dead body on the ground, and there was a grieving family standing around. In the darkness, I could see the figure lying in the front yard, actually, and I could hear sobs of sadness coming from the nearby family members. And it was just a sobering reminder that humanity suffers under the darkness of sin and death. And that's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus, isn't it? The Son of God. Because in that darkness, God himself has broken through to give to us the light of life. Christ our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. So that even as the darkness surrounds us still in this corrupt and broken world, we who believe, we congregate together around a bright and warming light, Christ, the Savior who was born to bring us life and light where before had existed only darkness and despair and death. I want you to open with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1. Because I think this idea is wonderfully developed in John's gospel as he begins to tell us about the life of Jesus Christ. If you don't have a Bible, we have a table in the back of the room here. You can get up right now. there's no shame in that. Go grab a Bible. We would love for you to have one. You can keep it, uh, or Chris will come around and bring one to you. But um, I would love for you to follow along in your Bible as I look at John chapter one, verses one through five. So in John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want to draw four implications out of this text for us this morning that I hope will apply to different people in the room at different points, different places in their life. And I I just want to show you the nature and reality of our Savior Jesus as he brings us the light of life, okay? First, I want you to understand that the light of Christ is a saving light. It's a saving light. I hope you know this. In the first two verses of our text, we see John echo the beginning Words of the Bible itself, right? If you know how the Bible starts, it says in the beginning, just like John says, in the beginning, but it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you know how the story plays out, if you've hung around church uh, very long at all, you know that it wasn't too long after that that things took a turn for the worst, right? Man rejects God. Man sins against God in all of God's Good creation is plunged into darkness. So much so that in Genesis 6, that's all it takes, six chapters into the Bible, God looks down on his creation and he says that he is grieved in his heart at how dark mankind has become because of sin. This is the life that we experience, isn't it? Filled with stress, with anxiety, with pain and hardship broken relationships, heart-piercing loneliness, betrayal and constant conflict and heartache. I mean, we live in a broken and dark world because of our sin. Let's not lay the blame somewhere it doesn't belong. It is because of our sin. But although our verse in John echoes the opening verses of our Bible and should rightly lead us to remember that man has brought ruin upon God's creation because of sin, our first few verses here in John actually lead us in a different direction. They point us to a new beginning, a different beginning. Because even though the words here echo the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, or in Genesis they are not the same as the opening of our Bible. In other words here, uh, or in Genesis, we begin to see the revelation of God's creation, but now... In John, we see the revelation of Jesus Christ, who is God, who was with God in the beginning. And we find that just where the story of Adam and Eve went wrong and plunged creation into darkness, this new story, the story of Jesus Christ, which echoes that old story, actually goes right instead of wrong. And so in Christ, we have a new beginning, This light of Christ is a saving light, a light that brings life. This light shines and the darkness cannot consume it. The darkness cannot overtake it. And this is important because I believe firmly that every person begins their life stumbling around in the darkness because of sin. I mean, if you want to know why your life is a mess, it's because of sin. And the fact is, every person, because of that reality, spends their life then looking for some kind of light to make sense of this darkness. Some kind of life, some kind of hope. We place it in all kinds of things. Maybe it's the Christmas season, or a new car, or a better job, or a bigger house, or a stable family. It could be a million different things. It is human nature, though, to seek for something that will save us from the pain and suffering and death that cast a long shadow over the human experience. But when we do that by ourselves, we're like a person in the darkness trying to light a match on a rainy, windy night. We light that match and and maybe for a moment it flares up and it feels like finally there's some, some light, there's some hope here. Only to have the next breeze or the next raindrop blow it out. It's a momentary, fleeting sense of light. And after that, momentary light fades, we're plunged back into darkness. And the point is that in the coming of Jesus Christ, mankind is offered a new beginning. You are offered a new beginning. In Christ, we have the light of life, a saving light, a life-giving light. A source of light and heat and hope that darkness itself cannot extinguish. And so if you're one of the people this morning stumbling in darkness, I think you've come to the right spot. And I implore you, look no further. In Jesus Christ is the hope that you have been seeking. A light that cannot be extinguished. The light of life, salvation for your soul. He is the only light that won't blow out because the Bible teaches He was from the beginning before anything was. But we see second that this is also a transforming light. Look at verses 3 through 4 which again reminds us of the creation because it tells us that through Christ Jesus who was in the beginning everything was made. Do you see the echo again back to Genesis 1? It tells us how creation came to be And now John tells us it came actually through Christ. It says all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Like we already discussed, man in his sin essentially unmade everything that God made. Through sin, we sowed the seeds of evil that would lead to death to the slow decay of creation. Everything that God made and said was good when he made it. God grieved in Genesis 6 because he made everything good and we through sin ruined it. But look at verse 3, what it says. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is a verse that profoundly influences our Christology. Hang with me while I get a little theological for a second here. Okay? Our Christology just means the study of Jesus. It it informs how we think about who Jesus Christ is. Meaning that it tells us that Jesus Christ was not made by God, like you and I were made by God. But rather, through the power and person of Jesus Christ, who is God, God created all things, you included. But this is also a profound truth about what it means to be a Christian, Because if that first creation in Genesis has been ruined by our sin, through the light of Christ, we are remade. And so if you're a Christian, you're not the same now as you were before you became a Christian. You are literally not the same. Now, you may look the same, your body looks the same, you may weigh the same, your memories may remain unchanged. Your parents and your family are still the same. You still have the same life experiences behind you. None of those things have changed. Your past is unaltered, but you are no longer a part of what God made in the beginning of creation that has come under the ruination of sin and the curse of death. You are remade. In Colossians 1, Paul writes, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so you are a new creation. You are remade in the image of Christ Himself, through whom you have been raised to new life and brought into the kingdom of God. And so Christ, the light of life, is a transforming light. You're made a child of God through the work of His death and resurrection to the praise and glory of God for all eternity. No longer do you walk in the darkness of His first creation, this fallen world, but now you walk in the light and life of Jesus Himself, remade to obey every word and every decree that God the Father in His goodness has declared by the power of the Holy Spirit which He has gifted to you. And so Christian, you need to understand that if you have Jesus Christ, the light of life, you are no longer of this world, but you've been transformed. You've been remade into a glorious new creation through the work of Christ. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Is that how you live your life? Is that how you experience your daily walk with God? Christ has remade you transformed you from a creature of darkness to a creature that emanates the light of his life. And so the darkness, for those of you who believe, is no longer a suitable place for you to dwell. You are not nocturnal any longer. You have been transformed into a creature like Christ, filled with his light and his life. Next, we see in verse 4 that the light of Christ is a sustaining light. It says, In him, that's Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. Um, when I was a kid, I loved the movie White Fang. I, I rewatched it with my children recently. It's maybe a little bit creepy. I, don't rem- I didn't remember the creepy parts. Um, but it's a great movie, right? And, and there's this one scene in the movie where uh, these men are camped out in the middle of uh, nowhere in Alaska. And uh, after dark just before they're about to go to bed, they hear these wolves crying around them. And so they light this massive fire knowing that the light of the fire will at least keep the wolves at bay while they sleep. And as long as the fire burns around them, they're sustained in safety. But eventually they fall asleep. The fire begins to burn down. And when it eventually goes out, that's when the wolves run in and attack them, right? And in the darkness... It's the light, the heat of the fire that sustains them, that keeps them alive, that gets them through till morning. So true. So, so too it is with the Christian. Colossians tells us that just as Jesus Christ created everything, he also sustains everything. Do you understand that Jesus in his mind literally keeps creation glued together? But for those of us who believe, Jesus not only sustains creation, he sustains our very soul. Through the darkness that we experience in this life, it is Jesus who sustains and keeps my soul glued together. Through every season, through every trial. It's not that God merely keeps the atoms of our bodies together so that we have a physical being Jesus Christ sustains our eternal souls and keeps us ever present in the kingdom of God with our heavenly Father. Do you understand how dependent you are upon Jesus for your very sustenance? And in this way, the, the life that he offers is not just physical life to us. It is true life. It is an eternal quality of life even now on earth. Because the fact of the matter is, I hope you understand, this life that you are living right now is not actually true life. Do you realize that? It is a physical life, it is a real experience. I'm not suggesting that it's some kind of dream like something out of the matrix or something like that. This is a a, a real life, but it is not true life. At the end of this life, you will die, and in that moment. Either Jesus will sustain your soul like he has through this life and usher you into his eternal life in the presence of God, or you will die an eternal death. Either the light of Christ sustains your soul with life eternal, both now in this moment and into eternity, or darkness consumes you both now and into eternity. For the Christian, Christ is our life-giving sustenance, the bread of life, the water of life. Without Him, we perish, which is why the body, the church, is precious to us. This is why when somebody says, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't really need the church. The church is one of the ways Christ sustains us. This is why we hunger for fellowship with the people of God. This is why we love His Word, the Scriptures, and why the Scriptures are precious to us. We hunger to fill ourselves with the Word of God where we meet Jesus Christ who sustains us. It's why His presence, the Holy Spirit, is precious to us. Because we long to experience the fullness of being in the presence of God. Because the light of Christ sustains us and without Him we have nothing but darkness. Verse 5 then tells us the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So we get to the fourth implication of our text. The light of Christ is an everlasting light. At the end of our service, I'm going to blow these candles out. They only represent Jesus as the light of life. His light will never be extinguished. Even though the darkness of this world persists in this moment and until the full and final coming of Christ Jesus, we as Christians cling to the truth that the light we have in Christ, it is an everlasting light. The darkness cannot press back against that light. In fact, the darkness flees from the light of Christ, much like the night is chased away when you see the sun begin to peak over the mountains to the east. And in fact, the story of the light of Christ is nothing like the story of the wolves from White Fang. Because where the light of Christ burns in the hearts of men and women, the darkness cowers in fear. Not the other way around. We don't huddle around the light of Christ afraid of the darkness pressing in on us, quite the opposite, in fact. Do you understand that if you are in Christ, then you are living a life of mission? Terrorizing the darkness wherever it presents itself, chasing it away, causing it to flee. It's as if the wolves of the night are running from you as fast as they can to find escape as you carry the light of Christ out into the world. Darkness flees not because it fears you, it flees because the everlasting light of Christ shines through you into the darkness invoking the fear of God Almighty who covers you with the light of His presence, the God who calls you child, friend, beloved. And so the Bible teaches God has not given us a spirit of fear in the light that He has shares with us. Instead, He gives us a spirit of power, a spirit of love. And so let me remind you, the light of Christ is life, It is a saving light. It is a transforming light. It is a sustaining light. And it is an everlasting light. And I want to tell you this matters for two reasons, okay? First, we're coming up on Christmas and Christmas behind the scenes of all the holiday chaos, behind all the glitz and glamour and the Christmas music and all the fun and parties, two things happen, okay? One is that many find themselves at the lowest of lows. The chaplain who's training me pulled me aside this week. He said, get ready, Grady, because Christmas time is our busiest time of dealing with trauma in people's lives. I wasn't surprised by that because people are broken, and the holiday season only works to increase the intensity of the pain and the brokenness that we feel, right? For many people, the joy of this season written on the faces of people all around them only escalates their feelings of despair and loneliness. And those people need to see the light of Christ in you. You don't have a momentary seasonal joy that comes at Christmas and wanes come January. You have the light of Christ. And the second thing that happens is is just like that. When the dust settles... When all is said and done, when the presents are open, when people go back to work with the extra bills from overspending at Christmas time, at that point they're reminded that nothing in this life satisfies. Have you experienced that? When the newness of the gifts wears off and the Christmas tree gets put in the garbage and the credit card bills start to come and the family goes back to wherever it lives and your house is empty people are once again haunted by the fact that nothing in this life satisfies. There's darkness all around them and it once again encroaches upon their soul. It remains and it descends. And in the void, there's an opportunity for us who have an eternal life to point people to Christ. That thing that you're looking for that Christmas once again didn't satisfy, that's Jesus. Let me tell you about him. Let me offer you the hope that he gives. And so the light of Jesus matters because our world is lost in darkness, and what it needs is the light of life. That's Christ. But this also matters to you because the reality that I've been describing to you, this life that Christ is, an eternal, divine, heavenly quality of life, that quality of life has already begun for us. It started already for those of us who believe. At our men's Tuesday morning Bible study at 5.30 in Starbucks, we were talking about this idea this week. I I asked the question of the men in our group. Uh, We were looking at the Sermon on the Mount. I said to them, when do you enter the kingdom of God? When do you step into the kingdom of heaven? And I might ask you the same question. When do you enter the kingdom of heaven? Some of you might say, well, it's the day that I die, right? Well, I think if you were listening to me say that the light of Christ is saving light, it's transforming light, it's sustaining light, it's everlasting light, then you might be tempted to answer me by saying that a person enters the kingdom of God at the moment in which they place their trust in Jesus, the light of life. And if that was your answer, I would say, you know what, you are absolutely right. For those who have placed their faith in Jesus, you now live, even now, in the kingdom of God. Because Christ Jesus has come, we have entered into his kingdom if we believe. In other words, because Christ Jesus is the light of life and he shines in our hearts through faith, we are already citizens of his kingdom, citizens of heaven. Of course, we don't walk the kingdom streets yet, right? We don't walk the streets of heaven yet. But the heavenly quality of life that belongs to Jesus, that heavenly quality of life is ours here and now. And so in the weeks ahead that lead up to Christmas, my prayer for you is that you'll see past all of the lights, past the materialism, past the busyness, Past the darkness, past the cheesy Christmas songs, and even the joy of the holiday that actually does come. And I hope past all of those things that you will see the light of Christ Himself, the light of life, the one who shines in the darkness to transform and sustain us. And in Him, I pray your soul would be satisfied, and in nothing less. Let me pray. God, please do satisfy our souls in your Son, Jesus. Let us know in our heart of hearts this life that comes through the light of Christ. And we thank you. We do thank you for this season of hope when we remember that we serve a God who loves us so much that even though we were far and desperate and broken and in darkness because of our own love for sin, that our God came to rescue, came to save, came to proclaim hope, came with proclamations of great joy. God, we worship you, we thank you for these things, and I pray that in the midst of this season that our hope would truly be set on you, our hearts and souls would be anchored in you. For Christ's sake, amen.